Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is, you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Warner with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me. Today I'm going to be in our Yeshua Son of David exploring Matthew's Gospel study. We're going to look at Lesson 25, The Calling from the Caller. In the last episode, we looked at Jesus as the caller and how he was choosing a special set of 12 to be his sent-out ones, those that would fish in the field of the world for him for his harvest. He had talked about the harvest in the end of Matthew chapter 9 and about praying for the Lord of the harvest to send forth the laborers. And then he begins this chapter with an example of that, where he chose 12 specific people, and we looked at them, we looked at the calling, we looked at the call itself. And so now for the rest of this chapter today, we want to look at what the calling is. He gives certain instructions about it, certain warnings, he defines it, he speaks about the cost of discipleship, he speaks about some coming expectations, the mission itself and how they are to be the sent out ones. These will fulfill these, but not only these 12, even to today, all those who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are those that Jesus is calling forth as his fishermen prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16. So continuing in Matthew's gospel now, we will move forward into more information and details about these disciples, these Talmudim, that Jesus selected and what their primary mission and purposes and instructions are to be. So I want us to begin the reading in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter and comment. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 5, says this, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, Shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. 
for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. That was Matthew chapter 10, beginning from verse 5 through the end of the chapter. Let's talk about this calling that Jesus has just placed upon these select few that he named and called. The calling that they're to carry is specifically to the Jew first, not yet to the Gentiles and the Samaritans, which were a mixture of Jew and Gentile. The calling that they received, these are the 12, is meant to complete Jesus' mission. And first of all, they are to go to the Jew primarily to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, about preaching the gospel. And he says that the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. 
It's not a matter of it being favoritism. It's simply the matter of God sending it forth because of the promise he made to Abraham early on that through his seed, then all the nations of the earth would be blessed. This is the time when the seed of Abraham, Jesus the Christ, has come in the flesh and his primary mission first is to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that's why the gospel must go first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so Jesus came to deliver it first to the Jews. And then from there, he will send it to the Gentiles. We even see him carrying it to the Samaritans, even during his life, as an example for all of us in the promotion and proclamation of the gospel yet to come. And so for all generations, the gospel is still applicable and to be delivered to the Jews and to the Gentiles so that the promise to Abraham can be ultimately fulfilled and all the families of the earth are blessed in Jesus Christ. The calling here that they have is to preach or to herald. It's kind of like a town crier of old, someone that will purvey the truth and let people know about it. The message that they're to bring is the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near, it is nigh, it has come. The kingdom of God now has come. The messianic promises, the messianic prophecies are now fulfilled before their eyes and are coming to pass. And the kingdom of God is near, it's right before them. Therefore, they are to prepare, they are to repent. We don't all like to hear that word today, but it is still just as applicable as it ever was, and it is scriptural. We must repent to, to be part of God's kingdom, to be right with God, requires repentance. And the authors of scripture in the New Testament did not shirk that. John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, and Paul all of the apostles came preaching, repent. So what does repent mean? It means to do a 180 degree turn. In other words, you're going one direction and you realize I don't need to be going this way. I am sorry. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do a complete about face, a complete turnaround and go toward Jesus. I'm going, I've been going away from him. I've been going into sin. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to follow him. That's what repent is all about. And repentance is required. That is part of how we turn to him and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So the Lord speaks of ways that these are to accomplish this message. How to do this. Well, he tells them, first of all, go about and preach. That word for preach literally means to herald. It's like a town crier. It means to deliver the message, to make it broadcast, to publish it, to proclaim it. He says to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. In other words, follow Jesus' example, doing what he did by ministering to people's need as you bring them the truth of the gospel and of the way to be saved. Both of those are coupled together. You don't have one apart from the other. You don't have the great charitable deeds 
and just have those alone and then tell people, oh, go your way and be blessed, even though they're on their way to hell. That is not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to minister to their needs as we tell them there is a better life available for you. There's a better way. You can be free of your sins. You can be saved. You can be on your way and secure to know that you are on your way to heaven and God can give you a blessed new life. So these two are to go together. And Jesus says to do it freely. In other words, not carrying any form of concept or desire for greed or avarice or money. Not to charge for what we have received and are then giving. We freely received it from the Lord. We are to freely give it. He is not saying here that we don't make our living and care for our own needs. Paul addresses that elsewhere. And he tells us we must provide for our own or we're worse than an infidel if we don't. But we are not to spread God's message that's freely been given to us by making a mockery of it through charging money and fees for it. Be careful of our motives. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Jesus tells us to freely give. And at every venture and at every possibility, we are to freely give people the truth of Jesus Christ and not be peddlers of the gospel. Paul speaks about the dangers of that and the sin of that also in his writings in the epistles. He tells us too not to worry about all of our supplies and our provisions, but rather to trust God to provide. He may do it by leading other people to help support the work, but what he's teaching us here is don't rely on your own provision. Rather, trust that God will supply for your needs while you do his work. And he may supply through Bonuses at work, you may supply through promotions if you have a, a separate job and you are telling people about Jesus in at lunch in your job or, or in the evenings maybe with teaching a Bible study or whatever. God may supply through your regular job. He may supply through bonuses. He may move upon the heart of people to help you in your work. But he's just simply saying you don't worry about the things that God is to take care of. Where God leads you, he will help you. He will show you the way and he will provide. He talks about having fellowship and, and sharing the message with people in the towns. He talks about blessing those who will receive it. And then he says, for those who won't, shake off the dust of your feet if they reject the testimony of the Lord. God sees it and he will handle it. You just go and deliver the message and if you're rejected you move on to the next city to the next house to the next town because god is after all the whosoever wills jesus speaks of the cost of discipleship here as well he doesn't sugarcoat anything he doesn't say oh come to jesus and everything's going to be wonderful and peachy keen for you from now on no that's not what he says matter of fact he says i'm sending you out as sheep among wolves it's very dangerous. You got to be careful. You got to be wise like serpents. You got to be harmless like doves. You've got to be careful. You've got to be cautious, but also be blameless and innocent. Have clean hands and a pure heart. He tells them to expect persecutions because Jesus himself has been persecuted and hated, and so will his disciples. He talks about when persecution comes. 
knowing that God will give you the words to speak if they call you before judges or magistrates or whoever. He will give you the testimony that you need to bring to them for him. He will give you those words through and by the Spirit of the living God. He says even if your family comes against you, you stand firm for the truth and in the faith of Jesus Christ and endure even to the end, endure all persecution and stand firm, true to him, even to the end, and you will be saved. When one city rejects the gospel, he says, keep on going. Go to the next and the next and the next. Go after all the fish that you can find and that you can catch. Those who will listen and those who will obey and those who will believe. We are to constantly be fishing for those that Jesus has sent us to fish for in the field of the world. He talks about how the servant is not better than the master. The goal is to be like the master, to be like the teacher, not above him. They accused him falsely. They will you too, he says. He says, they hated me. They accused me. They called me doing these things as a Beelzebub. He said, they'll do the same for you. Don't fear though. Stand strong because God will make it all right in the end. Don't fear men who could possibly kill you, but they cannot cast you into heaven. In other words, fear the Lord. He is the one we are to fear. He is the one we are to revere. He is the one who could cast soul and body into hell. If men kill the body, praise be to God. If you are saved, you're going to meet Jesus and you will be with him forever. And we need to understand that, that sometimes persecution includes martyrdom. But Jesus says, don't worry about it, because God sees. You are even more valuable than any sparrow that falls, and God cares about them. God sees, God knows, God cares, and God's going to take care of you, whatever may come. He says, your very hairs of your head are numbered. He cares that much for you. He cares intricately. And he is intricately involved and aware. So you trust him. He tells us to confess him and not to deny him. Confess Jesus. Don't deny him. Say what the truth is about him and who he is and what he has done. And you will be rewarded. You will be known and confessed to God, the Father, when you confess the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks about how Christ and division is even possible in families. Jesus knew this personally. His own brothers and sisters denied him until after his death and resurrection. He knew the truth. Enemies from within your own family is possible in this life. And he gives instruction that we are to love him more than family. It does not mean we hate our family and we completely reject them. We keep loving them. We keep praying for them. We keep trying to do and share with them the love of Jesus. But we must love him more than our family. And let him take care of the family. We must just remain true to him. The real message here is to love him more. Be true to him. Die to ourselves, even to our own family for his sake. Surrender our lives to him. And we will find real life. There is a cost of discipleship. Jesus clearly said it. He says to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him as his disciple. And the true mark of a disciple 
is if you will do those things and you love him more than your own life, more than your own desires, surrendering to him and following him. There's a hope and promise of rewards. Those who receive Jesus and his messengers will be rewarded by God. Even a cup of water, according to the scriptures, merits a reward from God. The Lord is the caller, and obeying his calling is the mark of a disciple, and will be rewarded by the Lord as he wills, in his special ways, and in his time. The calling he places upon his servants is worthy of obedience, as our goal is to be like our master and fish the world for those who will receive him and his good news. I pray that this has been a blessing to you today, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future messages in this series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.